Welcome to Roll for Crit, the podcast all about tabletop gaming, RPGs, board games, card games, more news and discussion than you could possibly fit into your eardrums, but we're going to try to give you as much as we can within the next episode. A lot of interesting things to talk about this week. I'm Jonathan. I'm Will. And before we get to all that lovely news, we got to roll a die and see how well this podcast will go. Mm. Now, usually these last few ones and continuing, I give you a choice, Jonathan, of which die we're going to use. But yeah, today I'm going to be uh, do the list because I just got the uh, new Forgotten Realms magic die, which actually rolls. It's not top spinner. So I'm like, I got we got to try it out. It's D&D theme. It's magic. It's it's all tabletop. All right. Should be lucky then. Should be. Extra it was good. a 20. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Yes. <laughs> Wait, you no, are no, I'm not me? kidding you. Yeah, less than 20. Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. We got our first crit. We did, Well, I guess the podcast is over because we rolled for crit and that's we've accomplished our mission. Uh, but we'll keep going just for victory lap. Uh, our first 20. I mean, it's got to be a good sign. I that am means- saving this die now. Yeah, that that's a good die. <laughs> it's going to be a great episode. And no, no doubt. This die roll must have been influenced in some way by our guest for the episode. Uh, and that's because joining our party today is the designer of games like Imperial Settlers, Robinson Crusoe, Adventures on the Cursed Island, and Detective, a modern crime board game. He's also an author and a Golden Geek nominated podcaster. From Portal Games, welcome to the show, Ignacy Chevichek. Hello, 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 everybody. This is me, Ignacy. How are you doing, guys? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm very well, but I, I want to say sorry to all our listeners, just in case there's a problem, because just before starting recording, I closed the door to the room, so my cat will not uh, you know, interfere, and now he's standing uh, behind the doors and uh, doing these noises, so this is <laughs> ridiculous. I hope you guys don't hear him, because it's terrible <laughs> here. For most people, I bet that's a bonus. Okay, so you have it. <laughs> We have an extra guest. That's they're, they're the next guest. Yeah, you're coming all the way from Poland, uh, and so it's uh, early evening for you. Your day's going to be winding down. Ours is just getting started. Correct. But we are happy that you're here to join us for some interesting discussion today. Absolutely. Uh, big fan, and 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 very very interested. Always been interested to watch. You know what kind of games you're putting out. Maybe later in the episode, you'll give us a secret reveal of a top secret <laughs> project you're working on. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see when we get there. We'll but before that possibility, we'll talk about other news from the board game world in the news roundup. News roundup. <laughs> now, we had uh, previously your your podcasting partner, Stephen Bonacore, on the show, and he, he was... Uh, not a fan of our of our little music bumpers. I, I don't know if you'll be kinder to them or not. But. I always disagree with Steven, so of course I love them. <laughs> Good. That's what I was hoping to hear. Uh, very glad to hear that. All right. Our first story this week ha- is kind of a larger story. It has to do with uh, board games as a whole. But there was an article published in The Atlantic called The Board Games That Ask You to Reenact Colonialism. And it focused a lot on the game Puerto Rico uh, and as well as mentioned a few others that deal with colonialism. uh, And usually they make the players take part in that colonialism, often uh, with the use of slave labor, although traditionally it's not always 
emphasized in the game or maybe not even made clear what you're doing. And it talked about kind of the, the, the problems, the issues with this that are prevalent in the industry, as well as uh, what some uh, people, some designers and publishers are doing to try to change that, including that they kind of there's kind of a an actual board game news reveal in here that Ravensburger is working on a new version of Puerto Rico to come out next year that they are totally revamping that's going that they have a, a new diverse team working on i i think it sounds like based on twitter um i don't think they're allowed to say yet but it sounds like friend of the show jason perez from shelf stories is possibly part of the team working on that which is cool um and uh, uh alexander fister also mentions that uh, his game uh, mombasa is getting a totally new version it's also going to uh, rework a lot of that stuff so this is this is a large subject that's uh not new necessarily to the industry but this is a kind of a big uh public version of it that a lot of people i think are going to see uh ignazi you are you have as we said designed a game called imperial settlers which is a very tongue-in-cheek uh game that doesn't quite take place in the real world but i imagine this is a subject that you must have given some thought to so i'd love to hear what you what you think about all this yeah of course when when i was designing mps setters uh, i absolutely had nothing about colonialism in mind it was just a a cute uh, little um, game about uh, setters uh, discovering new lands and starting new villages Uh, but the whole news that you mentioned uh, about the article in the atlantic of course was also the widely discussed in uh, board game forums and Facebook groups in Poland and everyone has their opinion uh, even in Portal Games even though we have we are now at Portal Games at vacation there is a two weeks shutdown for the whole company uh, and yet because the timing of this article uh, there was a, a discussion in our internal uh, forum uh, for the component even my employees were discussing and debating how to approach that uh, so this is very important uh, what was happening? This is a very um, difficult topic for uh, designers, for publishers, uh, of course, for the fans. Um, and uh, from my perspective, uh, there is many very difficult situations that happened in the past. And I myself had a game submission from a, a young designer about uh, Nazi camps in in Poland. And I found this topic super inappropriate and super difficult. And without even looking into the game, I said, no, I'm not going to do a game about the Nazi camps. And uh, different people, when I see in the forums, are discussing uh, what can be done in a board game, what cannot be done in a board game. Some people say, hey, about World War, uh, there are some games and people were killed during the World War, so can we play these games? So this is a very difficult topic I... Definitely prefer to have it there with the respect to the things that happened and uh, very eager what will happen next, what, what other publishers will decide, what other games will be changed, if it will be changed, because uh, colonialism and different different difficult topics are present in board gaming. And now we need to find the right way to approach these topics, to not you know remove them from the, uh, from the topics, but just to approach them with the respect. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very very tricky thing. Uh, you know, it comes back to also kind of a, a larger discussion of I think you were alluding to like what what can you and can't you do in a board game? Yep. yep. What what is? And I think a, I think a lot of the root of what makes it 
uh, an issue, a, a tricky thing to navigate is I think maybe there's a side of people who say, well, it's some, if something happened in history, it's maybe it's, it's interesting to explore it in a game. But the, the problem arises in my mind from the fact that it is a game. And by definition, those are usually meant to be fun. And it's this hard is, to yeah. make those yeah. two things work. Yeah, that's why I give this example with the designer who designed the economic game about the running Nazi camp. And, uh, and it was a simulation. And I said, no, wait, like this is too touching me and my history and my, my nation. There's no way I can do it as a board game, as an entertainment, as an enjoyment. Uh, and I said, no, without even looking into the game. And uh, as I said, for different people, for different nations, for different cultures, for different um, uh, gamers, different topics uh, have this different uh, touch level, I would say. So we always have to be very, very respectful. We we had as I said we had a discussion in in, in the company and it was like uh, one again a reminder mm, uh, be respectful double check triple check think what you are designing think what we are doing if you are not doing some harm to uh, to anyone we had a uh, once again like from my experience from uh, from my company because that's why I'm here to to share some behind the scenes coverage uh, we did a game called Empires of the North. And in this game, when you open the box, I don't know if you guys remember, if you open the box, there is a beautiful map of the world of Imperial Setters, like all these different factions, uh, and it's a beautiful illustration. And we released this game in in different countries, including Japan, and we were signing the game for the Korean market. And our Korean publisher asked us why on the Japanese islands there are little cute uh, settlers and little cute buildings and there is life happening and nothing is uh, in Korea. And I said, mm. well, well, we didn't think about it that we get just this illustration from the illustrator when we didn't pay attention. And this publisher in Korea said they would uh, appreciate if we update this uh, illustration with also small little cute uh, uh, people and uh, little buildings also depicting culture of Korea. And in the, all the new print runs of the game, of course, including Korean one, there is this updated artwork. So once again, you could say, hey, Ignaz, hey, protagonist, you didn't think about all the cultures. Yeah, it is impossible to put all the cultures on this small illustration. But it was an example that we wanted to release the game in Korea, but we didn't double check. Hey, we forgot about this piece of the illustration. So all these small details, you as a publisher, you have to think. You have to think and double check. I think that perfectly goes off with how I took this article was just showing how, how we're becoming so much because we're becoming much more of a uh, global yep. hobby and stuff that certain because each uh, countries have could have very different viewpoints on whether it's colonialism or other things, depending on what side they were on for something like uh, Japan and, and Korea definitely have a and different yeah, because exactly. uh, you guys uh, had a different uh, history lessons than I have. Yes. And uh, oh, yeah. I have, I, I have much more know about what happened in, during world war in Europe. You have much more knowledge about what was happening in, in America uh, in different periods. So we, it is not even the lack of respect. Sometimes it is even a lack of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And and then one, and then going to Puerto Rico, it just shows how we can then be like, all right, we see what the problems are. We're going to keep these mechanics, but we'll do it. We'll, we can make a new addition at the least, so the game doesn't get at least the game mechanics do not get lost to 
time, which games already do. As I still remember the article, I think it was what you talked about with uh, Ignacy with what was it Legacy? I think a while ago, like how you enjoyed a game, but but once it passes like five years, it's impossible to find. Sometimes that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that could be a tricky situation as as well. Uh, and yeah, it's it's interesting. I, th- I think the article um, it correctly kind of s- uh, summarizes that most of these instances, it's not something born of malice. It's not people who love colonialism uh, making these games. Rather, it's uh, just, especially in a lot of these older cases, it just was an easy go to it made sense to fit with the mechanics and nobody really thought much much deeper about it and i think that's uh kind of the the big takeaway is that it seems like as an industry we are spending more time thinking about these things being aware although there's still even just recently um i was reading about something i didn't even realize i haven't played it yet paleo which just won the kenner spiel uh was criticized for only having white-skinned uh, Paleolithic people in it uh, when that wasn't even really historically a thing at the time and they're actually changing the artwork for the next printing of that game so uh, even now they're you know these things are still happening all over the place but uh, it sounds people are more likely I think listening to social media listening to feedback and t- trying to do better so it's encouraging and I, I'm interested to see what this new version of Puerto Rico is and exactly if it's really a total overhaul, exactly how different it is. Yep. And uh, let's point out that this article, this is a small thing, but it wasn't in like board game weekly or something. This is in the <laughs> right. Atlantic. So, you know, we're really starting to, maybe we'll start seeing a weekly uh, board game article in the New York times or something. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. It's coming one day. Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. Uh, all right. Now next, let's let's talk a little bit about Exploding Kittens. Uh, so people probably know Exploding Kittens is the name of a company that also has made a game called Exploding Kittens, which was for a time, maybe still is the uh, probably the biggest funded board game on Kickstarter. Maybe it's not number one anymore, but it's certainly in the top ten. Uh, made tons of money and. Uh, just they did this uh, sort of little interview uh, with the website ICV2, which has pretty good board game news and articles from time to time. And they have been talking a lot about how their expansion over the course of the next couple of years in that they are releasing six total games this year, last year for up from last year, which was just three. One of those six games is going to be Happy Salmon, which was previously published by North Star Games, but they have now acquired the rights to it. It's a silly little card game that comes in a, a zipper salmon pouch, which is to me the biggest selling point. That's, that's always a lot of fun. Uh, they also have uh, another, an expansion for Exploding Kittens that I know has been worked on which, with, I think, possibly some of their other products by people like uh, Eric Lang, big time board game designer. So uh, even though it's a more, you know, they, they tend to produce more mass market, uh, family friendly games, it sounds like they are reaching out to some of the some of the top tier talent to help them along with uh, continuing their lines. We're going to see more stuff coming soon, like the sequel to throw, throw burrito, throw, throw avocado. Naturally, I, I guess uh, avocado comes after burrito. Uh, they even mentioned uh, Wolfgang Varsh as also being uh, one of the people who's working on some of these projects. It's, it's interesting stuff I, that they are, you know, they're they're expanding a lot. They're trying to broaden their line as well as they say, come up with more of their own original 
IPs and uh, become an even bigger juggernaut perhaps than they are now. Ignacy, what's your what's your experience with the, the exploding kittens line, or and what do you think maybe this says about for the hobby that uh, this this particular company is is so big and it sounds like they're they're getting bigger. My 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 experience with exploding kittens is not existing. I haven't played this game, <laughs> uh, but obviously, but obviously, this is a huge hit. The worldwide here in Poland, of course, in America, everywhere is a absolutely huge bestseller. And uh, I knew from my uh, personal uh, talks with Eric Lang that he is involved with some game design, game development, and and basically consultations for the for the company. And I'm very, very happy. And what is listed here in this press release that we are looking at, we have more names announced, including Wolfgang Gwarsch, who is an amazing guy for anyone who doesn't know. This is the guy who did The Mind, the guy who did Gunshot Clever and many, many other beautiful and smart games. So what we see here, we see the company that has money, the company that has a great distribution, the company who has... Thousands, hundreds of thousands of customers who played Exploding Kittens and enjoy that. And now this company can push more titles, but titles designed or at least developed by Eric Lang, titles designed or developed by Wolfgang Warsch. So these top-notch designers, gamers get designers. So I'm very, very happy. I'm looking forward for these new games from this company. The game mentioned here as the one that they purchased Happy Solomon is super fun part of the game. I played it many times. I love it. It's very noisy, very hectic, but it's a great, great part of the game. So yeah, I'm as a gamer and as a professional who works in the industry, I am very happy that the, the money uh, Exploding Kittens Company has are spent, are spent on the new designs, new smart games. Uh, so this is good for the hobby. I'm very happy with that. Yeah, I, I, I will. I will admit, I am not the biggest fan of Exploding Kittens, uh, the game, not the company at large. Uh, but I love the sound. I would, I would love to try the some of these new uh, variants and things in this in this new expansion that they're launching. Uh, just you know, with people like Eric Lang working on it, I'm very curious to see Correct. what kind of stuff they've come up with. Uh, but but I I know that Will you 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 do like you like exploded kittens a bit more than I do so <laughs> I think it's on? fine um, I definitely would not like feel too bad if someone asked to play it I have not played Happy Salmon though it looks like it'd be really I thought, silly no, but I, I thought we played that at a it's amazing an event. maybe like maybe like once and I can't tell you how it went it was probably like, like five years to, ago yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should remember but, this is like the crazy party game you should have <laughs> memories out of this event <laughs> but. When you get a something that was so popular, especially with uh, a lot of people who were excited because they knew the artist, the the, the who does the comic for Exploding Kittens, mm-hmm. and maybe not as much like, oh, I'm you know your heavy board gamer, and that's why I backed Exploding Kittens. It's great to see them like, all right, now let's expand because that's one way for these people who are like, oh, I got Exploding Kittens. Oh, the company's making another game. Let me take a look into that. And that's sort of another way for more people to sort of make their way into our hobby. Yeah, I think the the cynical way of looking at this is some like alarmists would be like, oh, uh, this like this gets bigger. This we're only going to get these quick party games. They're not going to make complicated games anymore. But I think the correct take is what you just said, is that the more the wider these things spread, 
the more people you get funneling into the hobby, the better it is for everybody. You, for, for those of you who follow Eric Lang on Twitter, and he's very active on Twitter, so you can guys uh, find him. Uh, in the past few months, he was very vocal, uh, besides politics, <laughs> about uh, about him being super interested in doing now these lighter games, these uh, mass market games, smart, interesting designs. After doing these old Blood Rages, Rising Suns, and all these <laughs> right. big box games, he's now relieved to have a chance to work on something different, to have different challenges for him as a designer, to have a chance to work with designers like Wolfgang Warsch to come up with small, simple games that still are very smart, very intelligent, very innovative, and, and push our hobby in a new direction. So I'm very, very eager to see what uh, Eric Lang and all other designers will come up with. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, uh, on Eric Lang, for example, at that note, like I love Rising Sun. Absolutely adore it. But one of the games I also really love from him is, is uh, not, not Blood Rage, sorry. Oh, Bloodborne, um, the card game? Bloodborne, the card game, not the miniatures game. It's much smaller, yep. and it's really clever and fun in its design interaction. So yep. I think giving uh, designers to go back and forth. And I, I'm not saying Exploding Kings is only going to do light games. I wouldn't be surprised if a while they'd be like, all right, yeah, let's let's get uh, Eric Lang to do maybe something heavier because they can do that. You know, Exploding Kittens do a lot of weird things. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever seen the convention, they give out fruit. They had to get <laughs> a, like a grocery license for their booth. <laughs> so I think they're willing to maybe take a bit more risks than maybe the the more cynical one in us believe. <laughs> yeah, expect the unexpected. I definitely want to see it all. And uh, yeah, also when you know you brought up the mind, and I think that's like a perfect that would fit right in with their line of games. So uh, it'll be it'll be cool to see what comes out from them. Uh, and next, I wanted to mention the Game Manufacturers Association, uh, also known as Gamma, because they have announced a new fellowships called the Horizons Fellowship. It's this new program that is meant to help out uh, board game publishers, designers, and or retailers uh, who are uh, specifically at least 51% owned or operated, I'm reading a quote right now from their, from their page, uh, by members of historically underrepresented communities based on, but not limited to, race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, religion, and ability. So uh, they are looking at underrepresented uh, minorities, people, you know, uh, of, of various uh, uh, groups that maybe don't get the representation they should in any industry. And you can apply for this fellowship. And if you are one of these selected participants, you get uh, monthly coaching sessions with people from the industry. Uh, you get uh, a booth at Gamma, their convention. Uh, you could also you get a thousand dollar grant. One person will be uh, chosen to receive a five thousand dollar grant uh, as an extra bonus. Uh, and th there are some other perks in there as well. But I think going back to our first story about uh, taking a look at the industry and trying to change things for the better, this is. Uh, a, a cool, a cool, a, not a not a huge um, thing. I don't like. It's not going to be terribly difficult, I imagine, to maintain or to have this out there. But I, I say that as an example of like, uh, you know, it doesn't. The thing that you need to do to change doesn't always have to be a big, enormous, grand gesture that's difficult and complicated. Sometimes it's a lot of uh, smaller things, and I think this is a this is a great 
feather to have in their cap, a great thing to put out to the community just in general that hopefully other organizations, if they have the means to, to do this kind of thing, maybe they will follow suit. Uh, Ignacy, what do you think? Do you think maybe you'll, uh, th- you could do it virtually. Could you be a mentor for one of these uh, up and coming <laughs> designers? Yeah, that's, that's, that's possible. And uh, for, for all of you who don't listen Board Games Insider, I record a podcast Board Game Insider with Stephen Bonacore. And for the past like five or six years, I was almost every episode hammering on Gamma for the lack of initiative, lack of great actions, lack of different things, leadership, etc., etc. So, mm. uh, kudos to this podcast because for the first time in my life, I'm going to say something nice about Gamma. So this is like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a serious note, yes, this is the uh, right direction, and uh, I respect uh, they are taking the action. They want to help um, uh, new new people in the industry. And as you said, this is not the case that will influence like 1,000 publishers or 100 publishers. This is a small thing, but it will help them a lot. And as as, as the grants are listed here, $1,000, $5,000, the most important for me is what you just mentioned, these coaching sessions. And I would love to also be part of that, share my thoughts, share my experience, I run the company from Poland, so this is uh, quite a quite a crazy idea to start a company in Poland and then try to distribute <laughs> games in America. So uh, I did uh, lots of uh, lessons and learned a lot of uh, things. Uh, so yes, uh, kudos to Gamma. Uh, looking forward for the um, what will happen with that. Uh, and as you just said, I I think that the, the teaching part is super important to let share the experience from the industry with new new people. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I mean, you know, m- money is great uh, and exposure is great, but the to get the the value of that experience from someone who knows what they're talking about, that that's probably the, the best part of this. Yeah, uh, if you are new, you need to know who are the distributors, how to work with the distributor, what are the discounts, what are the margins, how many there is stores in America, how I can reach the stores, what is the shipping cost? Uh, like all these numbers that you need to know when you want to run the company, uh, somebody can help you uh, with it at the start, and it will be very, very helpful for me. I was learning it by myself, step by step, uh, discovering things like the fact that America is a pretty big country, uh, and it was for me a huge surprise uh, when I learned mm-hmm. about the uh, shipping across the states and that when the game is at the distributor level, it, it will take a couple of days uh, between distributor and the retailer. So when I was back then many years ago planning my street dates, I was so surprised that you know, there is a delay. Uh, so yes, all these small things that uh, young publishers, young designers will make these mistakes and we can help them just pass these uh, first initial mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did mm-hmm. you think about this program, Will? With the- well, first off, anyone who's actually applying to us Contact us and let us know how it went. I'm really curious. Yeah, I'd love so to find out see. exactly what those what those uh, coaching sessions are like. Uh, second, it makes total sense because I remember back when we had our actually the online store and stuff. I don't know where I heard this, but someone was talking how there is a company called Uline that if you aren't in shipping in any way or anything like it, you'll never hear of this company. If you are, you have to know who they are. Because they they are like one of the main people you can get boxes from. 
So it's that kind of small thing. Like it seems small, but being able to skip the growing pain, so to speak of like years of like, Oh, that I need that tax or this agreement or something. And someone just like, no, just do that. Cause it's, it's not the like, yes, it's good to learn maybe some things through experience, but there's some things that are just like, it's a spreadsheet. If you knew it, you could just check mark the boxes. Right. Right. Yeah. A lot of the bu- more bureaucratic kind of stuff that's just a pain to deal Except with. Except it's some of those things can be life or death for some prices. You yeah. know? Yeah. For anyone who doesn't, who, listeners who may not know that we, we used to have our own uh, online retail store. Uh, we are not an underrepresented group of people though. So we wouldn't be eligible for this. <laughs> hey, I, I'm Jewish. Is that, are, are we 51%? No. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're not going to be applying. We don't, we don't need it anymore, but I would love it if we need more like, um, you know how there's like the master class or whatever that is, or these websites where like James Cameron will teach you about directing. We need that for board games. We need to make some, uh, I, I now just imagine like, cause you should see the ads for that. Cause it's like, hello. And let me teach you about taxes <laughs> <laughs> yeah that could be that could be good too uh, or you know what i'll plug uh i'll plug some of ignacy's books those are those are a good place to go if you're a designer who wants a who wants there a coaching go. lesson <laughs> thank you yeah all right uh and then real quick before we get out of the news had to mention uh, a very sad story uh this board game designer named rick lorenzen uh, uh, sadly, was in a car accident. Uh, both he and his wife were killed in the accidents. Uh, he was working on this game called Chrysopia, which was a, a steampunk game that looked pretty cool. And he had a. Uh, we had never met him. I had ne- at least I had never met him personally. But it sounds like he had a lot of friends in the industry, a lot of people that we have talked to before, uh, who I who I would trust. That that means he was a good guy, and he unfortunately left behind uh four daughters they have a gofundme set up right now so that you can uh go and try to if you want to if you you are able to support and give them some financial support going forward but very very tragic recommend I'll, i'll put a link in the show notes for people to check out the gofundme so that they can uh take a look at that it's a it's an unfortunate story i don't know if either of you have any any other thoughts you want to add other than just uh well I, I have I have not met uh, Rick, uh, but uh, I read the story and it is uh, absolutely absolutely dreadful. And uh, when I learned about the uh, kids, uh, I was like speechless. So, yeah, very sad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, again, the GoFundMe link will be in there. Uh, it, it would, if anybody listening, just good to to spread that around some more. Always a shame losing anybody, but uh, you know, in the industry, it's relevant to us as well. So. Uh, Rest in peace, Rick Lorenzen and his wife, Mary, and uh, or perhaps it's pronounced Marie. I am not 100% sure. And on that note, uh, we will take this opportunity to transition into our next segment, that being where we will discuss Kickstarter games and Kickstarter Pickstarter. Oh, this one looks uh, nice. It's nice. It's nice. What about this one? Kickstarter Pickstarter. So. This is when each of us is going to highlight a project that we are looking forward to. I will start with you, Ignacy. Is there is there a project on Kickstarter or perhaps another crowdfunding site that you've particularly got your eye on of late that you would like to uh, shout out on the podcast right now? I I decided to do some edits in your show notes and added <laughs> oh, some links. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and we are working at Portal Games. Uh, 
on uh, our new project. Uh, it will not be on Kickstarter. It will be on a game found. This is a small competitor for the Kickstarter platform. This is a, a game found uh, is on the crowdfunding platform. And mm-hmm. on this platform, we are starting in the first week of September with the game called Eleven. Mm, this is a football manager game. You are managing football club. Uh, you have your players. You have your sponsor. You have your stadium. You have your directors. You have your staff. Uh, uh, doctors and coaches and mental coaches, etc., etc. There's a full-blown uh, strategy game with the sports team for everyone who played or at least heard about my older game called Pret-a-Porter. It was an economy game about the fashion industry. This time, once again, we have the full-blown strategy game with a very niche and unexpected theme that is uh, football. I saw on uh, social media, in the Twitter sphere and on the Facebook, that many of you in America are now watching Ted Lasso. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah. I, don't ha- I don't have Apple Plus, so I, I just see the pictures, <laughs> I just see the photos, but I think that I need to uh, get Apple Plus because the reviews for these shows are amazing, that it is uh, apparently a very fun TV show. So if you want to be like a Ted Lasso, you definitely need to check it out, uh, 11 on GameFound.com. In a strategy game about running your very own uh, football club and team and, and everything. Yeah, I mean we're 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 definitely anticipating this one. It's a it's a fun theme because, as you said, it's not it's a it's about football, but it's not the, necessarily the playing of it. It's all the aspects uh, surrounding it. And uh, although although I, I don't I don't is there is there a part of the game where you do kind of manage plays and seasons and teams and things you know so i i can so it, this is like the first phase of the game is a like a production phase and in production phase you get your resources by managing your club so depending how much funds you have you have your fund base depending how your budget is you have your money for your you know purchases and, and buys depending on the your fitness coaches you have your team fitness so first you get these resources and then in upcoming uh, action rounds you are spending them on buying new players, buying new staff members, uh, going to the camp to get more fitness. And then when you have the whole week, and in the week you have three actions, when you did the whole week, the conclusion of the week is a f- weekend, and in the weekend you play the match. And this match is obviously n- quite simple because this is a strategy game about managing club, not about playing the matches. So this is a very simple version uh, of, of playing the match. But yes, uh, depending on what players you have, depending on what tactics you you chose depending on the, some tricks that you managed to, to do, you will win or lose the match, you will get some uh, points. And then once again, Monday, you got your resources, your funds, your fitness, and you have a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to do the actions. And then on Friday is a week, weekend and you're playing the match. So there is a managing, for the most of the game, there is a managing the whole club. And then in a week, weekend, you're playing one match. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. I- I remember being super excited about this. And if you're a little bit worried because you're like, I'm not really into sports. I, I, I mean, you said before, check out Preta Porte and you'll see how just because like you're like, oh, I'm not sure about this. You'll see how amazing the game is and you'll be very excited for this then. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> right, right. You don't need to be in a fashion like that game. You don't need to be in a football like this game. Which just you like- can tell from watching any video I'm in. right yeah just like you don't need to be into colonialism to like puerto rico (laughs) just 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 bringing it back around um so this is launching on game found in it looks like about 42 days 
So, yes, uh, beginning of the September, we are starting now with the, as a draft, so you can uh, uh, sign up for the uh, for the notification. If you sign up, you will get the, uh, some promos, and you will get, of course, notification email when we start. So you can check out the it on Game Fund right now. Already signed up for the for the promo item, and you will be set. I want to ask because this is your second, if I'm not mistaken, GameFound project. Yeah. How so? It sounds like it's been a good relationship for you. Do you or have you? Is this what you're going to do going forward, as opposed to Kickstarter? That's, really that's a very interesting question, and the answer is that I don't know. I have to admit that the first experience was phenomenal. We had a GameFound company dedicated for us, for our campaign, a team of people who were supporting us, who were uh, helping us, who were you know, solving some problems. So I had this uh, perception of uh, GameFound caring for my company and for my project, which was amazing. It never happened in a Kickstarter, right? Yeah. Uh, to have dedicated team helping you. Uh, the question is, uh, how much of this investment of team and effort on a GameFound side will go longer for the second campaign, for the third campaign. At some point, probably they will say, okay, you're fine, we will never help you again. Uh, but the initial interaction, initial communication was top-notch. Uh, we thank them uh, very honestly for the first campaign. And for the second campaign, once again, I have a dedicated person from GameFound and that is like a, my you know sales agent for the GameFound. And he is uh, advising us and giving some notes, giving some statistics, et cetera, et cetera. So I appreciate that, uh, that I have this direct contact with the platform. And that's why we are sticking with the game fund. What will happen in the future? I don't know if they change approach to the customers. Maybe we will change them. Uh, but as for now, they're very respectful for the, for the customers. They're very respectful for the creators. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed. I enjoyed following the uh, the Robinson Crusoe. You know, letting the fact that you could have like all the polls and everything and the updates. Correct. That that was a lot of fun. So, uh, look for eleven. I'm sure we will be bringing it up again once it uh, officially launches. Thank you. Now it's your turn, Will. Do you have mm-hmm. a pick? What did you pick? I actually have one because I I tend to every now and then during this podcast just refresh because Tuesday is the Kickstarter day, <laughs> just to see if something crazy. And this one popped up, which I actually really like, called Road Trippin'. It is a word game based on how, you know how people make weird custom license plates? Uh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so you are given a board, and you're given like a phrase or a word, and you are trying to get people to guess that by having only seven l- slots, you know, the slots for a license plate. Now, some of these could be easy, but you can get more points if you start throwing in letters or start not using all seven spaces. So it becomes to decide how you have to like push your luck and how well you think you can get people to communicate or understand your weird license plate. <laughs> and this can be both competitive or cooperative. So I thought this was like a really cute take on the uh, on word games. And by the way, this uses dry erase boards uh, on these very cute boards that look like, you know, like an, uh, what you'd expect from custom license plate, like a desert if you're from probably Arizona or something. Uh, and it, it just looks like the, uh, the kind of weird kind of writing word games it has some other weird modes and stuff too, of course, to spice things up. But I, I thought it was something cute. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the idea. Of course, I like any kind of word game that takes a creative spin on it. Uh, it's, I don't see anything that confirms this or not, but it looks like you might be able to also play this one while you're actually in the car. 
if you uh, just held the dry erase boards in your lap, you know? <laughs> as long, don't do it while driving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The driver I, I, shouldn't do it. As far as I can tell, yeah. I mean, uh, how do you have a game called Road Trip if you can't play it in the car? It's, it just seems like... <laughs> They should do that. Uh, a fun little bonus. They do have four puzzles on there. You can take a look and try to guess that have the answers on the bottom of the Kickstarter. Oh, got it. So you can already see if how well you can do. Apparently, But they are, uh, at least for me, they're challenging. <laughs> uh, all right. So now, road tripping. Yeah. How much does that Yeah, The for? game itself, uh, the basic one is for $40. They have a early bird right now going for 50 I think it's 55 regular. So check it out if you need a, a good road trip game. All right. Uh, and my pick, uh, there's a, there's a few that I thought were interesting this week on Kickstarter, but the one that probably appeals to me the most is this game called Fedora Noir, which is a role-playing game, uh, based on, you know, noir detective fiction. And it doesn't, it's one of these GM-less collaborative storytelling games, which, uh, we're actually going to talk about one in our next segment that I've been We've been kind of playing more lately that I've really enjoyed. And in this one, one person is the detective, uh, but the detective doesn't get to narrate what they think. Uh, instead, the hat decides what the detective thinks. Uh, the, another player will be the detective's hat, and they kind of they come up with the like narration that happens, you know, the classic noir uh narration of everything that's going on and then other players might also play different characters that are that are in the in the game in the story as well and the game is played on cards so you don't need a book or anything uh you you will just draw cards that will help you determine the locations the characters and what happens within the storyline and it's meant to play in just like two hours or so so it's one of those one of those one shot quick playing rpgs uh, and I thought it sounded pretty cool, pretty unique. And the fact that it's, uh, you know, just, you can carry it around in your pocket and take it out with you when it's, when it's necessary, I think sounds fun. So if you like that theme, uh, you can do the digital copy of that one for $12. Um, or, uh, you can get the actual physical version for $30, which includes the digital copy. Uh, that's Fedora Noir. Uh, also, I think I just want to briefly mention because it's like hugely successful and we haven't talked about it yet. This other game on Kickstarter called Oros, O-R-O-S, uh, where you are demigods manipulating the planet. And essentially you have little pawns, little workers that you're moving onto spaces to create actions. But the centerpiece is this uh, board where all the terrain the and tiles you can move on to are, are different tiles that are sh constantly shifting and moving. There are volcanoes that if you activate, they will create new tiles around them because the lava flows out and creates land. Uh, or you could move tiles together to combine them and create a big mountain. Uh, just very interesting kind of ways to manipulate the environment uh, that I thought looked pretty cool and unique and uh, everybody else seems to agree because it's it's got a lot of good quotes from you know people in the industry and stuff so uh that that one is called oros o-r-o-s uh we will have links to all these kickstarter picks and game found picks as well uh, in the show notes so that you can check them out and see what you think about them and that will carry us through to our next segment where we're going to talk about some games we have been playing Table talk. Table talk. Okay. I see, Ignacy, you have been playing a game called Space Empires 4X. 
And I would love it if you could tell us uh, what that game is like and what your experience with it has been. So I bought Space Empires because because it's sad. It has a solo variant, um, and I hoped to you know to play at home, uh, conquer new new planets, and uh, develop my technologies and fight aliens. Mm, but I did an experiment, and after reading the rule book, I set up the game here in the living room, and I asked my wife to play. And I had uh, small hopes because, you know, for X games in which you're fighting each other, shooting, this is not what my l- wife enjoys. But she said, okay, I will try. And she loved the game. So for the past uh, week, we played five times. Uh, it's insane fun for me, not only to play a great game, but to shoot with my wife in a space and build my fleets and technologies, etc., etc. The Space Empires 4X is an old design from GMT. Now, right now, on the market is a third edition, I believe. Um, but the game was designed like in the 90s, uh, so many, many years ago. And this is super simple um, board game. I would say this is the essence of the 4X games. So, like you have your starting system, space system. From that, you're sending out your scout ships. Uh, all around the places uh, on the border are cheats. So you flip the cheat and you see what you have, what you found. It may be asteroids, it may be some meteors, it may be some new planets, etc., etc. Uh, at some point, your scouts will enter the space sectors of other players, and then shooting starts, obviously. And um, the the game comes the technology tree. So when you have your planets on these planets, you can have a colonies. Colonies bring you uh, give you money. From the money, you can develop new technologies. And there is a vast amount of different technologies. The one that help you move faster, the ones that help you shoot better, etc., etc. So depending uh, how well you are fighting and developing, you will win or lose. Yeah. So Space Empires. Uh, very simple. Uh, you have your technology tree, uh, you have your ships, you have the vast space uh, in front of you, and you just know that at some point you will meet the ships of, of your opponent players, and at this point you want uh, to have better technology, better guns, better ships, faster ships, so you can uh, compete with them. A very simple gameplay, and I really, really enjoyed this. So if you guys... Uh, Planned to play Twilight Imperium 4. If you play, if you wanted to play Eclipse or any of these big games, but you were afraid, maybe <laughs> you can try this. The the first step, uh, Space Empires 4X from GMT. It is a very simple um, 4X game. Uh, I enjoyed uh, tremendously, and the gameplay for uh, uh, two players, it's like two, maybe two and a half hours. So um, in this time, you can uh, conquer a ton of planets and kill a ton of spaceships of the opponent. <laughs> that's pretty good for one of for this type of game. Yep. That's that's not a bad length at all. Uh, I'm always terrified when I when I do play Eclipse. I get very scared. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, this, this looks like a very uh, a very classic kind of correct. Yes, like you you feel this is a '90s uh, design, uh, and yet legit enough, great enough that it survived the uh, the test of time, and still in 2021. You can still enjoy it and have some fun conquering yeah, the, the space. I'm confused. I don't see a bunch of different minis on there and giant like <laughs> yeah, war suns. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how can I enjoy this game without that stuff? Uh, I, I'm I'm curious, Ignacy, how much of uh, 
how much time do you usually get to play games you just want to play as opposed to games that you are currently testing that you're designing? Yeah, so there are, of course, waves. Uh, like we are post-Essen or post-GenCon and I bring all these hot releases and, and I, let's say, force myself to just play them as fast as possible. So I am then in these periods, post-GenCon and post-Essen, I'm playing uh, mm-hmm. with my team during the work hours. So we get... Uh, updated about all the new releases as fast as possible. In the lazy weeks and months, like uh, for, for instance, July, uh, I'm playing uh, every weekend with my wife. Uh, so every weekend I play some uh, new games and some interesting de- designs. And at work, I'm doing playtesting. So during the week uh, at work, I play this, And during the weekend, I play just the games from my collection. Got it. No shortage of games for you to play. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely no. Uh, so that's Space Empires 4X from GMT. Uh, Will and I have been playing some games together. We had a little bit of a game night. Uh, Will, what do you want to start with? Well, uh, let's start with the one that we were told we had to play in our last podcast. And that <laughs> well, was the true. second edition of Gravwell. In this game, you're all stuck in the space. These... Yep, we're sticking <laughs> with space. More space. <laughs> space. <laughs> That's right. Uh, So in this game, you are all playing as ships that are stuck in pretty much the gravel, like a black hole, and your engines don't work, but your repulsor and tractor beams do. So the idea of the game is you are going to be playing cards of different elements, but more or less they decide your turn order and as well as how much you're either pushing away or pulling towards the nearest object. So this is a lot about trying to think how other people are going to play their cards and whether you should play early or if you play late, will someone mess up because they're closer or farther away from you? And we play with the full six count that is now available in the second edition. And it's a little weird because the board is a spiral and the way it works with six is half the people are on the outside end while the other half are in the center and it's sort of like a weird split race happening at the same time. Right. Each person, each half of the group is their goal is to get to the other end the opposite end of the of the racetrack essentially (laughs) Uh, which 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 can create for some interesting gravitational shenanigans (laughs) yes especially once around the midpoint and what was weird and very interesting is early on on both not as much i think on we were on opposite sides but at least on my side one person got ahead really fast well, uh, two people were left behind. Yeah, I got ahead really fast. I couldn't remember if your side had as much of a disparity. <laughs> yeah, I remember I um, my, the first round, I had all these cards that were just shoot ahead, like eight spaces, eight spaces. Like I had all these big numbered cards just randomly. And I, I know everyone was like, oh, well, I guess I was like, I'm going to win. <laughs> like, what's, what's taking you guys so long? <laughs> but we discovered that is not the case. Yeah, which I really like because also the, the pace changes because then you have to be really scared and then the drafting happens and so if you're in the lead you probably want the repulsing less than the tractor so everyone's like oh i'll just take those from you so you don't have a lot of them yeah it's interesting because it's not a traditional it's not like oh i move eight spaces it's you move eight spaces in the direction of the closest object to you so if the closest object to you is behind you then you move eight spaces back, (laughs) which is not ideal. Or if you're at the front, but nobody's in front of you, then you can't get to the end unless you have, like you said, certain cards like repulsors that will help you out with that. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a bit thinkier than maybe it it seems. 
uh, when you sit down to play it. Uh, it, it did give, give me a vibe of stuff. It made me think, even though it's a very different kind of game, maybe it's just the space theme, but stuff like Cosmic Encounter, even Space Alert, there seems to be like a, a genre of outer space games that are, just have a wacky vibe to them. <laughs> and I think this is one of them that like the the game in the text and the art is not wacky, but when you're you don't know what anyone's going to do and you're just bouncing all over the place, it can be a weird, goofy time. Yeah, and it was really weird, too, how I remember some people were like, I'll never trigger this ability, and then they kept getting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have special abilities you can charge by doing certain actions. And I definitely want to try, I obviously always want to play games more, and I, I did like it a lot. I do say I, I really want to try it probably more where everyone's at the same point and see how that feels versus the, uh, the split. Hmm. So I assume that'd be four. If yeah, I remember I the rules correctly, that you say that I think five and six is when you um, you split the teams, so to speak. Yeah, I certainly need to wrap my head around some of the concepts in it uh, by playing it more. Uh, and then we also played another game that's Gravwell Second Edition again. I don't think that's out yet officially in retail, so people maybe you have to wait to see if you can find it. Uh, but we also played a game that you talked about also a couple weeks ago. And this time I got to try it out called We Care. Yes, this is the re-implementation of the Grizzled. And in this one, as we said before, it has more of a doctor theme involving a pandemic. And <laughs> very, very timely. <laughs> mm -hmm. Last time I played it with just three people. This time we did a full five. And I, I mean, I've said my thoughts there. And while some things are different with the uh, the bigger group, Jonathan, I mean... What were your thoughts on your first impressions of this? Um, I, I, I definitely, I, I liked what was there. I, I, I feel like, like with a lot of games, I don't know if it just wasn't the right. I mean, we had to t stop a little bit in between when dinner arrived. I feel like the environment was a little bit not ideal for me to fully like get into it. The one thing I really didn't like that I don't remember if you mentioned when you talked about it the first time was you can get this quarantine card randomly pretty much i mean you can mitigate the risk of getting it but you may just end up with it at some point and if you get this card you're you just can't you basically are out for an entire round and i to me that felt very not fun i there wasn't there wasn't even like a i would i thought it was just gonna be a penalty like oh you can't do this or you can't play this kind of card maybe or, or one you can play fewer cards than everyone else but you're still involved but it really felt like i just was removed from the game <laughs> yeah i mean i probably brought it up but what i noticed was because then this is why i wanted to bring up the player counts jonathan yeah uh when that happened in our games before where one person got quarantined we never had got had a two people at once it would literally just become like only two people playing and we're like all right we're gonna take the smallest hand possible because we can't survive that many so they you it would it would be you would be quarantined for like maybe two minutes but mm -hmm. this if you when you got quarantined there are still four people. Yeah. <laughs> so we were ta still talking and discussing and be like, can we do that? So it really does hurt a lot more depending on your player count that it didn't occur to me until this. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, I, I, I think it, I, I like the, the overall concept. It seems like a, a tough game, but it's, but I, I like the, you the, need to be careful with your timeouts. And when just like player elimination or anything, if someone can't play the game, uh, it's it's a little sad, right? <laughs> yes, that's usually not something that anybody likes. Uh, so that game again is called We Care. 
now I want to talk about a game that we played online with some of our members of our Patreon page. Uh, you can become a member at patreon.com slash roll for credit if you want to play a game with us. And this is a, a role-playing game called Dating Sim, which is part of this series of games called Possible Worlds. And Possible Worlds was a Kickstarter project. It's six smaller RPGs that are rules light, easy to teach, different settings. And this one is, like the name might imply, a dating game RPG wherein one player is the host as well as who everyone's trying to get a date with. And they will be asking the other contestants who have their own characters, different questions. And then whoever the winner of that round is, they go on a date with that character and the other characters then become uh, the host and like take turns or trying to submit suggestions as to how the host should act on the date. (laughs) So uh, there's two rounds essentially that work that way. And you can choose any setting you want. It's an open setting. You decide how you want to do it. We went with a historical setting. So um, I, in the first round, played the host who was essentially a Time Lord, essentially Doctor Who. (laughs) Although I didn't really role play too hard. I was basically just uh, facilitating the questions. And everyone else was a historical figure. So we ended up with Charles Darwin, Oprah Winfrey, and um, a Blackbeard. (laughs) So, you know, pretty good, pretty good spread of people from different time periods. Uh, it, it was, I thought, a, a very creative, uh, interesting, very, definitely rules like game. There's no dice. There's no you barely even need a pencil and paper. Uh, it, it, it almost really is very close to just being a whose line is it anyway game. Uh, what did you think of it? Will, did you have fun? Uh, I had a blast. I thought it was hilarious. I love the concept we came up with because we were like, what should we do? And we're like, what if we do historical figures and a time lord just says pop them out because they want a date? And <laughs> it just became the most hilarious. And like, where what are we? where's the date going to be? Uh, one of the first D&D sessions in the basement? <laughs> oh, yeah. We decided okay. <laughs> the date would be a D&D game in Gary Gygax's basement in the, in the 60s or 70s. <laughs> so we had some role-playing within role-playing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. We literally role-played role-playing. <laughs> that, that did happen. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, once again, I love me some Dungeons & Dragons, and I wish we could play more, but some of these, I, I guess, weirder, unique RPGs just always fill such a fun spot because they force you to think that it's not just, all right, how do I roll the most dice for my attack? Yeah. Yeah. And this one's another exam- great example. And a great one for people who are unfamiliar with RPGs. It's super easy to, the rules are just part of the game. Basically it's, it moves you right along as you play. Ignacy, I know you have roots in, in role playing. Do, do you ever, do you ever like branch out into some of the the weirder, smaller indie RPGs, or how much how much time do you have to play role playing games these days? Yeah, we uh, my last role playing game session was in January, so it was uh, six months ago, and then I had to finish Dune, the board game, and I had to stop my <laughs> weekend <laughs> playing. Uh, but yes, we played uh, in January. I played Cold City. Uh, this is a indie uh, role playing game. Uh, that takes place in uh, Berlin post-war, uh, so 1946. And players are from the secret organization uh, that is looking for all the mysterious occult stuff that Nazis were doing uh, during the war. So it is a science fiction game that uh, the lore of this game says that indeed some crazy 
stuff was, was happening with these occult and monsters in Germany and players are the ones. So this is like a Call of Cthulhu combined with the World War and this is a small indie game, very fun and I strongly, strongly recommend anyone to just look for it, a Cold City. And uh, Portal games back then in this moment when we were slowly, slowly switching from role-playing games into the board game industry, we were racing a ton of, as you mentioned, small indie games. So we released uh, five or six uh, smaller games under the license. Inspectress from America, the uh, great game about uh, running a company that is like a Ghostbusters. Uh, so mm-hmm. I love these small games because, as you mentioned, this is the moment that you just... Uh, gather your friends for the weekend. Uh, you play like two hours session. It is always very entertaining, very fun, uh, very unique with the setting. But it's not a huge campaign. You are not, you know, involved in the now half a year campaign to kill the final necromancer. No, no, it's just a one evening indie game, and I absolutely love them. Yeah, maybe that's why we like it so much. There's there's less pressure. Correct. <laughs> you can, once you once you're done, you're done. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. I have an update for you also. I'm reading right now, literally uh, two days ago. I started reading uh, Voyage of the Beagle. This is a diary diary of Charles Darwin. I am at mm. the fifty page right now, and there is no dates so far. So I don't know if it was real what you were playing, but as for <laughs> now, he's on the ship and no dates for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep uh, reading, yeah keep uh, uh, spoilers it it didn't end well for him yeah he okay. did he did not win <laughs> that was a race from history uh and and then finally we played one other game at game night that we got to talk about because uh uh a, a, another another patron of the show a fan of the show sent this game to us because of course it has my name in it this is, believe it or not, what before I describe it, a real game that exists. <laughs> it is called <laughs> Infinite Jonathans. And from what we can tell, this game is either based on or developed at the same time as a mobile video game. Where the theme is, there are, as the title says, Infinite Jonathans in different dimensions. And they're all competing to be named Jonathan Prime. And for some reason, there's also like a candy mafia and like a lizard slash dinosaur princess or queen or something. And <laughs> all it's very strange looking at the art, which is reminiscent of like an adult swim cartoon of um, it, it just seems like there's there's a universe here that is not explained at all. <laughs> and it's it's very bizarre. Yeah, th- there are cards in there that like blackmailing aj like oh i remember that from season two <laughs> right <laughs> we have no idea what's going on but the the way the game works is there are a series of card piles on the table and they're numbered from one to four and each player has their own secret uh, dial so they set it to one of those numbers and then everyone reveals which number they were trying to go to and at each number there's a different card to face up which has some kind of ability or it's a jonathan that you can fight to try to gain him as a trophy. And if you get enough Jonathans, you win the game. And uh, the trick is it's like a prisoner's dilemma sort of thing where some of the spots you have to be the only person to go there or nobody gets it, or it has to be uh, only half or fewer people of the group can have selected that item or nobody gets it. So if everyone wants something and they're greedy, then everyone might end up uh, nobody gets anything at all. And if you don't defeat this Jonathan that round, who also he requires certain symbols you can get from cards, 
then he'll be attacking people. And then there's also a bidding element to the game. Once you defeat a Jonathan, you are bidding along with everyone else to see who can claim the trophy. And it's the highest unique bid wins. So uh, if you have the most money, but you match somebody else's bid, you cancel each other out. So there's a lot of that uh, kind of bluffing uh, head games of trying to guess what each other is going to do a little bit like Gravwell, I guess, but much more of a a silly party game. I mean, I can't say we had high expectations because there's definitely this this is a game that just uh you know it looks very silly and and dumb (laughs) but but did did we have fun with it will i i like to think so uh, for the most part (laughs) i do feel like the difference you brought up gravel gravel feels more like i mean that's just because we talked about it but yeah yes (laughs) i mean well i just think for a good example of like it's a lot more strategic planning and thinking how your opponent's going to move where i felt like Infinite Johns was, I mean, there is some like, I think like Will's going to go there because he's low on health. So he's going to take the healing card. But it felt more like a prisoner, really like just being prisoners. Don't want to be like, all right, everyone, join me on this Jonathan and we'll match symbols to defeat it. Like it seemed like it, it was, it, it felt very much like that was the game <laughs> to mm-hmm. me. I go, which, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I do think is interesting and would love someone who's maybe much more knowledgeable in that kind of like, just game game theory and stuff to just look at this and be like, well, yeah, that this would be or not, but yeah, it's definitely weird. It was very, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I thought it, you know, for what it is, I thought it was pretty fun. I mean, some people in our group really liked it. Uh, And uh, it's, I I, I mean, I liked it too. It's, you know, it's, it's weird. And it's, uh, it's also, I'd say the components are also kind of cheap. You can kind of get the sense that they didn't put a ton of, uh, polish into this game well i blame you jonathan yeah i mean obviously it's anything in this game is my fault it's got my name on the box uh but for you know a goofy party game that looking at it you might think i don't know what that is there's no way that's a good game it's it's not bad it's uh it, it works fairly well uh i think we played it with six again and, and that's the max player count and i think that's i wonder if i think maybe i would like to try it at even four or five it might even be a sweet spot i'm not sure Maybe. Uh, uh, I don't know if I could fully, like, I thought it was all right. I don't know if I could fully, like, yeah, you could go buy it. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's. I believe it's 20 bucks. I would, yeah, I think for 20 bucks, I would say go. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of better games in this genre, I would say, first, I guess. But if, I don't think, it's not like, oh, man, you're going to be, like, ashamed to have this on your shelf, you know? Like, it's uh, it's it's fine. It's it's not bad. It's, I had fun with it. And what more can be said for that? And uh, so, we of course, we thank Hoser40k, who is the uh, user who sent that game over to us. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to, I hope at some point they make, maybe Portal will pick up the rights and make Infinite Ignacy's. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. That if not, I will design myself a game called Infinite Ignatius. Like, uh, and I see potential in this in this in this direction. <laughs> well, if you really want to make money, you make it customizable so everyone can have a version with their own name on right? it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I want Infinite Ignatius in each one instead of choosing like a different colored Jono in this. It's like I have the Robin Crusoe Ignacy. <laughs> well. I, yeah, different eras, different eras of Portal games, maybe. Oh, boy, there's a lot you could do there. Okay, well, again, that's Infinite Jonathans. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show now by playing. I'm very excited because we are going to play a board game game. 
And like we like we have alluded to a couple of times, we had Stephen Bonacore on uh, for our second episode, and we played a game with him called Name the Game, <laughs> very original title. Uh, and uh, where wherein you, I am going to be giving clues, a series of clues that all allude to a specific tabletop board game, and you guys, Will and Ignacy, our uh, our contestants, have to try to guess what those clues are and we will see if if you manage to best uh Stephen Bonacore's score and so the way this is going to work I have three clues for each game they're kind of like riddle-like clues that have something to do with either the theme or mechanics of the game and after each clue you get a chance to guess what you think the game is if you get it right the earlier you get it right the more points you will get but the of course will be harder because you won't have as much information uh, does that make sense? I will, will. I will start with you, Ignacy. I have and one question. Did yes. Bonacore score at least one point? He did. He oh, got okay. at least one point. Okay, that's bad. <laughs> I can't remember if he got. Uh, actually, I think he might have got a few. Yeah, he got a few points. Yeah. So you got your work cut out for you. <laughs> All right. But that's. I think. I think you're going to do well. And uh, and if, if it goes like last time, both of you will just be mad at me for my bizarre clues. <laughs> I also am not a hundred percent sure about uh, all of the how much pop culture crossover there is between over here and Poland, so <laughs> I apologize if any of my clues are harder for that reason. Uh, but we'll see. So, Ignacy, you're first. I've got three games for each of you. So, your first clue for your first mystery game is your primary objective in this title is also a common objective in dungeon crawlers and fantasy role-playing games, although this game is neither of those things. Okay. If you have a guess, you may make it now, or I will just proceed to the next clue. Let's proceed. <laughs> All right. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So, so uh, objective common to dungeon crawlers and fantasy role-playing games, but this is not one of those. Second clue, this is not primarily a dexterity game, but players with good aim will have an advantage. Oh, there's a flicking game about the Dungeon Crawler flicking game, but I don't remember the name. Oh, remember, I will say this is, not a, this is not a fantasy Dungeon Crawler in theme, although it does share a common goal. <laughs> Shall I give you the final clue? Yes, yes, yes. I'm thinking about some flicking games, but my brain is now empty. <laughs> That's all right. Well, this is well, the world welcome obsession. to my brain, usually. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number last, last cue for this one. This isn't a children's game, but it does have a title vaguely reminiscent of a Dr. Seuss book. What in the world? <laughs> Any, any, you gotta, you gotta give us at least one guess, Ignazi. Ice cool. It is not ice cool. There are dungeons in the ice cool. Come on, it makes perfect sense, and it is not fantasy. <laughs> and you, and you explore the the building. <laughs> well, I, I yes. I'm assuming. Oh yeah. Oh, and if you can't get it, the other player has a chance to steal. So, Will, do you have a guess? <laughs> Forgot. About I assume the first clue has something to do with you gathering gold or money. Oh, interesting. Because that's what you always go into a dungeon to get rich. Oh, experience but points. 
Yeah, leveling up too is, but that's in everything. I feel like that would be. I really hope it's not leveling because I feel like that's any RPGs are in everything. Uh, what was the second clue again? Not a dexterity game necessarily, but if you have good aim, you'll have an advantage. I should say not a dexterity game primarily. That's why I was thinking about flicking. Oh God! Um, <laughs> is it cash and guns? No, not cash and uh, guns. So uh, you're pretty pretty close about the goal being to get gold. Of course, another word for gold in this situation would be loot. Wait, and uh, really that's hope. why that's why uh, I can't believe I stumped you on on this one already because this the game in question here was. Rattle, battle, grab the loot. Okay, 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 okay. There is dexterity element. That's true. That's true. And to be honest, I I don't have this game in my collection for I don't know what reasons. And this week, I was in the warehouse and I was picking a copy to bring it home. So coincidence. And still, I didn't get it. Okay, we'll be careful because now I'm stealing your guess. That, that is pretty likely. If you, yeah. <laughs> according to the last time we played this game, yeah. But so all right, let's last, go. Last time I gave uh, Stephen a, a softball, I gave him uh, terraforming Mars as one, and, and he got it after a couple of clues. So mm, it's, not, it's not looking so good for you over there, Ignacy. I'm sorry okay. to say, <laughs> but that's all right. It's just. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think I don't think that's fair. Terraforming Mars, the way he's talking, that's like if you gave him Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're right. I went for a, a bit of a deep cut, maybe for for some for some listeners. Uh, all right. Here's your game, your first game, Will, and your first clue. Although it bears little resemblance to it now, this game's original inspiration can be attributed to a different game that traces all the way back to 13th century China. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I was thinking, like, oh, is this leading to Monopoly? Because... I'm like, okay, that Monopoly did not start in 13th century China. So let's just uh, take the next clue. <laughs> All right. All right, next clue. In the end, the key to winning this one is the ability to count to 25 or five at least. Oh, I may have a try to steal. Will, you go for it or I will steal it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um well, we'll 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 give him we'll give him a chance to do uh to do all we'll give you all three clues yep. and then and then we'll yeah we'll, we'll oh, see. Oh god! But this is uh, like a mental game. Now I'm putting pressure on Will. I, I only get one guess, right? <laughs> After each clue, you get one. Oh, guess. okay. Then um, I'm gonna just say just in case there's some weird not history I don't know. Blackjack? No. Okay. Not blackjack. I, this last one might give it away to you though. Look very closely. And you might just spot a showdown with a giant spider or a mythical sea creature. Now, you see, most people probably know it by now. I do not. Because, <laughs> like I said, empty brain. Ah, oh, God. A giant spider or a mythical creature. I am. If you look totally... very closely. I have no idea. Uh, where's Walter? <laughs> <laughs> no, all right, Ignacy, you get you get your chance. Can you can you steal it? What do you think? I was thinking about Tichu, but now with this uh, monster, sea monster, isn't it Chimera? No, it is the, neither of those games that you just said. I'm afraid. Ah. <laughs> all right, so far we're still zero for zero. This the answer to this one was King Domino. King Domino, of course, based on so loosely There's dominoes. A spider in there. 
Uh, yes, if you look closely at the different tiles, there's some artwork, and one of them yeah, has I, a, a giant I didn't spider. Know, I know dra there are dragons. And a mythical – and the Loch Ness Monster's in there. Oh, I thought there you were going to get it from that. No. And the also spider 20, threw me off. 25 I'm... is your uh, – if you get all five five on each side, that's your max score is 25. Will, can, I... you, can you edit the podcast after the afterwards and <laughs> you know, remove this part? <laughs> I think they're going to get easier from here. Back to you, Ignacy. <laughs> You're going to like this one. First clue for your next game. So I know you said you're reading this this book, so this is this is perfect. This game takes place long before the voyage of the Beagle, but Charles Darwin would have a great understanding of its underlying themes. So I would risk. Uh, can I? What if I'm wrong? Get, Nothing happens. You, I can. I can. I can shoot. That's right. You get one guess after each. Clue so I free. try Robinson Crusoe. It is not Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> In fact, I'll give it to you. I'll tell you this right now. No, none of the other ones are portal games. That was your only. That was your only one. All right, clue number two, and this is where I don't know how, how much of this clue is going to help you. The characters in this game would sympathize with the characters of a certain animated film franchise, which began in two thousand and two, as they all share a similar fate. Film franchise. <laughs> An animated film franchise. Uh, they share a similar fate. And again, Charles Darwin would have understood this game's themes. Okay, next. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. Third clue. Last year, the board game Evolution received a sequel with some thematic changes called Oceans. This game has followed a similar path. Oh, that means Dominion Species. That's right. It's Dominion Species, which means you're on the board with one point, <laughs> taking the lead. What is the animated? The animated series in question was Ice Age. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the Ice Age is coming. And of course, the theme being... Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 Jonathan, I think we need to play this game again sometime, but I'm going to make the clues. <laughs> I, if you want to make them, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not stopping you. you just I, I'm mo <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'm more than happy. We're going to give this a, a shot maybe with uh, not the next guest, but the one after. Okay. All right. Well, it's your turn now, Will. Here's your first clue for this game. The people in this game are not representative of real life culture, though they do share a name with a village in Iran and a river in Taiwan. Oh my god. What the <laughs> um, there's a say the clue again? A group of people in this game, and while they are not stand-ins for an actual culture in reality, their name is a name that is also the name of a village in Iran and a river in Taiwan. Um I'm just because there's no spirit island. Well, you know, you, you you tell me my clues are no good, but you just nailed it in one. The game is spirit oh island. Oh, my God. Oh, I don't believe it. Seriously? How? Uh, look, a monkey can write Shakespeare eventually at a typewriter. Oh, my God. Yeah. What was that? The Dahan, of course, are the, the native people in the game Spirit Island. Uh, so that's you're now in the lead with three points, three to one. Respect, and, sir. Respect. <laughs> <laughs> so this is your uh, this is your chance to catch up there, Ignacy. Last last one for you. Okay. First clue. <laughs> you're gonna really like it. 
while not directly related to any British pop groups. Oh, some might find this game a little scary, a little posh, but certainly not fit for a baby. Oh, God. I don't know if this has given you anything to work with. (laughs) Uh, Try a guess. Uh, You said this is not another portal game? uh, This is is not a portal game. Next next clue, please. All right. Next clue. This game has stood the test of time. It was released the same year as Ridley Scott's film Alien. I think I have a I think I have a guess. Don't you dare. What (laughs) do you have a guess, Ignacio, or should I give you the third clue? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm waiting after the third clue. But if it is mine, I'm gonna be a little angry. (laughs) Uh, uh, Next uh, from 80s, like I a talisman. No, it is not Talisman. Ah. Good guess. Good guess. All right. Last clue. The design team behind this title also released another very popular board game just two years earlier, which is one of Tom Vassell's all-time favorites. So his all-time favorite is Cosmic Encounter. And uh, I have no freaking clue who designed Cosmic Encounter. So, Will, the floor is yours. All right. So, my guess is that this is the first Dune game, which is going to make me a little annoyed because that first clue made me think Spice. And you know that he's making a Dune game. So, I'm almost hoping you're, you're, I'm wrong. No, you're right. It's oh Dune. Oh, my God. Respect. <laughs> That's nice. Yes, the first clue, of course, uh, alluding to these Spice girls. That was the, I don't I don't know if the Spice Girls were a big hit in Poland or not. Oh yeah, so of of course it was. Uh, everyone was crazy here uh, in nineties. Uh, Dune, that's that's funny. <laughs> I, I just like wait. It, surely he didn't choose a game where you could guess one of four, one of which he's working on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Will, you've cinched the game, but we'll give you the final one just as a bonus. Uh, so first clue. As tempting as it may be, you shouldn't use this game's components literally. It wouldn't be very comfortable. What? <laughs> um, sushi party. You shouldn't eat the pieces. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You shouldn't. But no, it was not Sushi Go. Um, second clue. Officially, there's no soundtrack included with this game. But if you're looking for something to listen to, the Russian song Koro Beniki might be appropriate. Koro Beniki. <laughs> Where are you getting these things? Uh. Hey man, it's you gotta you gotta think. You gotta think laterally. <laughs> Shouldn't use the components literally. And uh a Russian song called Koro Beniki might be a good soundtrack. Uh, uh, pass. All right, last clue. I don't condone cheating, but if you're looking for some extra spending power while playing this game, maybe put on some formal wear rather than a t-shirt. Uh, 
uh, a game where you have have clothing options that change your stats. Um, I mean, my mind instantly went to no, uh, ladies and gentlemen. No, not ladies and gentlemen. Ignacy, you got any any guesses? I was thinking about some Russian roulette, but no, I don't give. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, the reason you shouldn't use the game components literally is because uh, while they may look like quilts, they will not keep you warm. The Russian song Korobiniki is better known as it was utilized as the theme song for the video game Tetris. Oh. And of course, you spend buttons in this game. Which is why if you're wearing formal wear and if you can pop a couple buttons off, you might have an advantage. Because <laughs> the game in question is Patchwork. Patchwork, yep. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, there you go. Well, the final score is Will with four points to Ignacy's one. But at least you're on the, you're both on the board. Uh, it, it was anybody's game, really, all along the way. That's <laughs> the, 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 the worst thing is that Bonacaro will now brag that he got more points than me and it will haunt me for years now. So we well, need to well, edit th this episode. Well, well, no, what we need to do is I will make some clues and we need to get both of you on <laughs> with Jonathan and see. Now, are you going to want to make clues because you think mine are too hard or do you want to make yours even harder just to punish me? Let's I want to make clues so I don't have to guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You just want to be removed from the, from the game. I wish I could write my own clues and then forget what I wrote so I could play my own game. That would be my favorite. Anyway, this has been a great episode. We rolled a crit, so everybody already knows how good it was. But we couldn't have done it without our guest, Ignacy Chevichek. And, of course, on our adventure today, you earned a lot of experience points. And as a level-up bonus, we are going to now give you a chance to tell everybody where they can follow you online, as well as maybe some of the projects like Eleven that uh, they can look forward to in the near future. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the easiest way to follow me, of course, is to find a website for my company, portalgames.pl or portalgamesus.com. We have two websites. And from this website, you will find everything. And by everything, I mean that you can find me everywhere. We are on TikTok as Portal Games US. We are on Twitter as Portal Games US. We are on YouTube as Portal Games Movies. We are on Facebook, of course, Portal Games. So depending uh, which social media channels you follow, depending uh, what is most interesting for you, whatever these are vlogs or maybe these are blogs or maybe some chit-chatting on Twitter, you just find Portal Games and... Uh, me and my team are very, uh, very active. And as for the projects that we are working on, what's uh, interesting uh, for you, mentioned a few minutes earlier, Dune House Secrets is a story-driven adventure game that will release exactly the same week as a movie. So I strongly recommend for everyone to go to the movies in, uh, in the fall season to watch the Dune movie because it's going to be epic. And then if you enjoy the movie, go to your local game store and... Uh, and get the Dune House Secrets. This is a story-driven game that uh, tells a story from the world, from the book. And this story takes place in the events, after the events described by the movie. So if you enjoyed the movie and you want to know more what happened later, you can uh, grab the game and enjoy the, the storyline even further. So this is what's happening to to our designs in the fall season. And as I mentioned earlier on uh, September 7th, we are starting 11 uh, GameFound campaigns. So if you like Ted Lasso, if you want to be a football manager, check out 
the 11 board game. But basically, yes, as you guys said, uh, just find me on, on any social media and uh, just have fun, chat and discuss. I'm very, very active because I'm a passionate about board games. So I'm part of the community and very, very active every single day. Yeah. We love what you do. We will have links to all that stuff so people can find you in the show Thank notes. You. And I'm pretty sure you're going to be at Gen Con, as are we. So we're going to be seeing you in person in about a month and a half. That is uh, unfortunately not true because oh, uh, no. yeah, Portal Games is going to be at, at Gen Con. So we'll have a booth. We will have a demos of 11. So you can drop by and check it out. Uh, we will have a new release, Million Dollar Script, a party game. Yeah. about the writing uh, a scenario for the movie. Uh, but as for now, still uh, people from uh, Europe cannot uh, fly to America due to COVID, mm. due to Delta, due to other things. So I'm still checking all the options. I'm uh, fully vaccinated, so I'm technically ready to fly uh, for conventions. I hope that in the first uh, American convention when uh, we can meet together, it will be BGGCon uh, in November. I hope that at this time, the the borders will be open. But as for now, the borders are not entirely open and uh, I cannot come, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that is a shame. Yeah, yep. it's... it's, it's COVID has to go home. COVID, go home. COVID, we are tired of you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're done with this expansion module. We, we can pack it away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely. Well, whenever the next time we get to hang out... Absolutely. Uh, that will be fun. And yeah, looking forward to a million dollar script as well. That's, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but if anyone listening wants more Roll for Crit, there's plenty of ways you can follow us as well. Uh, go to rollforcrit.com, find our YouTube channel, live streams, and other stuff. Uh, you can check out our patreon.com slash rollforcrit. You can post on our Discord channel as well as listen to our weekly bonus podcasts, even more of our voices. Uh, if you want to send us an email, something we want us to answer, talk about on the show, you can email us at meeplegallery at gmail.com. Uh, and if you uh, want to rate and review us on iTunes, that would also be nice if you just want to support the show. That way we would appreciate it. But otherwise, that's it for this episode, this this magical crit rolling episode. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm Will. And this has been Roll for Crit. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.